box, office, refund, box office refund podcast. Hello and welcome to Box Office Refund Podcast. I'm Nico Bell. And I'm Ward. And we review low-rated movies. And decide if their critics were wrong. All right, Ward, how you doing tonight? Uh, I want to make like some kind of pun on Hellboy and Demons. I'm just not sure which pun to go out. <laughs> we watched the 2004 Hellboy, the first one that came out way back in the day. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. I, okay. And it's already being yeah. rebooted. I mean, what, it came out oh four. 15 years later, we're yeah. rebooting Yeah, I mean, this movie, this movie had a sequel to it and everything. Like, we'll get into all the good stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I picked this movie because I really wanted to watch a movie that I knew I wasn't going to hate. And I remember enjoying this movie. However, I did not enjoy it this run-through. I think, I don't know what I was thinking, to be honest. Because it's not that great. It is very long. And if I had to see him fight Hellhound's one more screen. I was just going to quit the podcast because I couldn't take it anymore. Did not like this movie. Don't know why I thought I did. Well, I was surprised it was chosen as it, I feel like it's right on the edge of our it criteria. Is. We usually pick you know, movies that skew kind of bad. So I was happy we didn't pick an absolute crapper. We picked one that would at least hopefully reach average. And oh I boy, we are just on mixed levels. The last movie we watched was Cirque du Freak, and I thought it was pretty good, and you hated it. And now we're switching roles. Because it was a garbage this movie. movie. I, I, I cannot comprehend how you This movie like was movie. so boring. Like, it's boring. I'm watching what should be an action-packed fight scene between, like, demons and hell demons. And I'm, like, on my phone doing shopping because I just don't care. That's bad. And, the, like, the amazing thing, I, I just want to point this out for the listeners. You were not on your phone during Super no. Freak. Like, I, I don't even, like, wires are crossed for that, that to be happening. I I watched Start to Freak, and I couldn't even remember what I watched. And I was there. You know what? This, I think this movie, first of all, just starts out so confusing to me. I don't want to put a lot of brain power into a, a movie about Hellboy. And I had to sort through this weird voiceover prologue with Nazis in it. Like... Okay, if I had remembered this movie had Hellboy and Nazis, I would not have recommended it. Because as soon as I was like... <laughs> oh, that's the best part. This is like some bonkers intro with Nazis yes. and Rasputin <laughs> and like the American commandos and demons and space demons. There's so much stuff in the beginning. That's like, oh, Cronin. That is like my favorite villain. That dude... That Cronin makes this movie worth a watch alone. I had no idea what was going on. And I did not care enough to Abe Sapien. I'm going to throw out more stuff. Abe Sapien, man. He is awesome in this. This is like the prequel to um, uh, The Shape of Water. Okay. Well, let's not. <laughs> no. All right. I don't know if you've covered this, so stop me if you have, but I'm going to give a little premise of what Hellboy is for those that aren't okay. initiated. A demon raised from infancy after being conjured by and rescued from the Nazis grows up to become a defender against the forces of darkness. Okay. That actually explains a few things. All right, conjured by and rescued uh, from the Nazis. So the Nazis were going to open a gate to hell to let something. Well, this is weird. 
because it wasn't technically. It was like a space. Like, it was like outer space. Wasn't was gonna, it? Yes, it was deep space. I don't know. I don't get how that works. <laughs> They're opening a portal to deep space because that's where the monsters are. I don't know. I don't get that. Because when I think of like hell, I think of fire and brimstone. But they were opening up something very yeah. cold because it was a frozen monster. To space. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was space. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know the connection. There. Okay, well, as long as I wasn't the only one, very confused. But uh, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> so it's 1944 in Scotland, <laughs> and the Nazis have opened up a portal, and what? Rasputin yes, opened up a portal. <laughs> Rasputin. Rasputin. We're like, this movie is just name dropping left and right. Rasputin has opened up a porthole to a, a frozen dimension of hell, I guess, uh, in order Space. to get what will appear to be some sort of squid-like creature to Earth yep. <laughs> to take over. Um, Hellboy somehow comes through, and yeah, and he's like a little demon with like this big red clunky arm. He's, he's a, baby. a baby. Okay. Now, instead of anybody being worried about this or saying we should contain him or try to figure out how to get him back to hell, they give him baby Ruth candy bars, wrap him in a blanket, and take pictures with him. Yeah, man. (laughs) What else would you have him do? I just want to make sure that I got everything (laughs) that happened. Okay. All right. And then they take him home and raise him as if he isn't a demon of sorts. Well, I wouldn't say they raise him if he's not a demon. They know they're fully aware of what he is and his capabilities. I think there's is it the Paranormal Defense Force? It's a secret government branch you know, that we don't know about because there's lots of those. And he's just part of that branch with his abilities. He can do more than a normal agent would. But I'll just say, just going back to the premise of this movie with World War II and Nazis, I really enjoy movies that rewrite <laughs> history and say, all right, what was it? Um, a movie last year, I think Overlord, where D-Day was actually about uh, like zombie Nazis or something. I don't know. Like, I like movies that rewrite history. Like, oh yeah, what happened? You had no idea what happened. It's yeah. actually this. Well, this is apparently one of them. Um, okay. Well, I mean, just to go a little broad here, Ron Perlman plays Hellboy. And the cool thing about this, and this is notable because I oh. say it is, Ron Perlman, he is like the premier actor when wearing prosthetics. He was in the television series Beauty and the Beast, late 80s, early 90s, where he was a beast. Full prosthetics. And so, from that point on, just every actor, nearly every actor that had to wear full facial prosthetics would come to him and say, you know, Ron, how do you emote when you're wearing full prosthetics? Like, he was the guru. Like, people that had to wear full facial prosthetics went to him. So, it's kind of a big deal that he's playing Hellboy wearing full facial prosthetics, because... He kind of wrote the book on how do you emote doing that when you don't have your own facial experience. That's pretty cool. And he did a fine job. I'm not saying he didn't. He was he was a fine Hellboy, I suppose. Um, okay, so let's set up some characters here. So, and, well, let's let's okay. let's keep broad for a minute. This is directed by Guillermo yes. del Toro. You know, I mean, the dude's done a lot with creatures, and you know, he has a very distinct style. I think a. His style is kind of here, you know. Doug Jones, his frequent collaborator, plays Abe Sapien, which is uh, uh, the unsung hero of the movie. I would say, you know, it's, it's like it feels a lot like that. Sort of, I think the biggest knock against this movie, watching it now, fifteen years later, is it feels just very kind of like stock early two thousands movie. It's just, I, I was like, man, you throw a rock and you hit a bunch of movies from the early 2000s that kind of feel like this and kind of have the tone and style. And it was long and boring. 
So the scientist who was trying to stop the Nazis opening the portal in 1944 has basically adopted Hellboy. Unfortunately, he's dying of cancer, but Hellboy doesn't know that yet. Um, uh, I, I want to go back to the first thing, though, just because I mentioned Cronin. I just, he deserves a proper introduction, so I'm going to talk about him a lot. Um, he is a, I don't know, I guess a Nazi captain slash lieutenant. Full gas mask. We don't know why. And, I mean, the dude is balling. He's trying to reach into the portal to stop, like, a bomb or something. Getting his hand just sliced off. He doesn't care. Then shrapnel through his chest, through a stone column. He's pinned. And then when the good guys turn around and look back, he's gone. I mean, that dude is just balling. There's another Nazi officer who's wearing sunglasses at night (laughs) in the rain. I mean, like, this movie is pure style over substance. And Rasputin's whole ritualistic craziness. And it's why, because, like, the whole thing is, and I'm going to say, I think this is what the movie's about, is that Rasputin just wants to start chaos in in the world, because it's Rasputin, why not? Because, like, he's going to open this portal to space monsters. I don't think he had any plan on how he's going to control them or direct them. I think he's like, yeah, they're going to kill me and everything else. I'm cool with that. That's that's a goal. I think that's what he was after. I don't know why. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but... Sure, why not? and complete chaos. Hell on Earth. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up. That's what I got out of it. Oh, and Cronin, he has built-in swords. Like, he just, like, flicks his arms, and he's got swords all of a sudden. They do Yeah, he crazy. is really cool, actually, as a villain. I think that's probably why I liked this he movie the first awesome. time, because I thought he was really awesome. He's a pretty cool dude. I mean, Cronin, I, I, he is just crazy. And then, like, Rasputin. This movie doesn't really... I mean, it kind of talks about him for a minute as far as real-life Rasputin. Real-life Rasputin was pretty wild. I mean, he was an advisor to the Romanovs. This is... I mean, like, true history right now. This is not Hellboy history. (laughs) He was a a healer. He was a holy man. And he was killed four or five times before the death actually took. Um, And if you you don't think that Rasputin's some kind of mystic, just Google Rasputin. Look at the picture and look in those eyes and tell me that man is not scared. Okay. <laughs> right now, listeners, go to Google. Google Rasputin. Look into that man's eyes. Through the picture, you will find a, a shiver's wow. going to run down your spine. That's wow. the power of Rasputin. Wow. I kid you not. Okay. Wow, we got him done. Car- carry away. Okay, so we also have a character, John Myers, who is the kind of the good cop throughout this whole thing. He's hired to become the keeper of Hellboy, kind of like a bodyguard babysitter type of thing um and he's he's in the like paranormal yeah. defense. i don't know what it's called but i want to back up just a little bit because it just like this whole introduction i almost want the old guy doing the voiceover to say well that's my whole story of how i got a baby demon in world war ii like in like grandpa simpson voice because it just sounds like something grandpa simpson would say yeah. at the end of that it is pretty good and that's how i got my baby demon in world <laughs> war ii we used to ride crackers and we put potatoes oh, in our hats. Okay, so we also meet Abe Sapien, uh, who... Love that he guy. Is he is a cool, cool character. character. You know, he eats Doesn't his rotten eggs. Because basically, this is like this is like Area yes. 51, you know, just in... I don't know where this is located, but like it's that whole conceit. that The government knows about aliens and creatures, and they're just not telling the general public because the general public would freak out and flip out. Then, I mean, probably this group works closely. Yeah, with Probably. Uh, and then we finally get to see Hellboy, who files down his horns to fit into society. 
as if his red skin yeah, that, that's and tail. Back. Uh, no, no, no okay, society's okay that. with that. Horns. He also really red. loves cats and candy. So at first, at first, yeah, it's been a while since I've seen this movie. And they said he likes cats. My first thought was to eat them. <laughs> like, why does he love? I think cats? it was to soften his character a little bit. Like that's what they do well, with characters if they're too hard. They give him a pet. And they gave him, like, 15 cats. I was glad he didn't eat cats, because that would yeah, be like, wild. Yeah, like, so many cats. Um, but we get, you know, we get our little introduction about Hellboy being kind of this, uh, you know, an anti-hero, an unsung hero of the underworld who comes up and helps people when nobody else can figure things out, or, you know, they need his strength for the supernatural fights that they have. And I appreciate that they jump into it pretty quickly, but from then on, it feels extremely redundant. And that's what makes it so slow and boring for me. Well, you know, this Myers, new agent, I feel like it's a bit of an oversight that there's no, like, this is a very specialized job. I mean, I'm not going to tell just anybody about this department. He has no training. Like, there's no, hey, these are the basics, what we do here, this is what you need to know. Like, he's just thrown into the middle of it. And I feel like with yeah, this kind of department, that's an oversight. That's poor planning. There needs to be some kind of like protocol so he knows, hey, you're dealing with people that are not necessarily human or what we understand. Yeah, as I would say that's probably true. Um, yeah, and we also set up Hellboy as a loner. Like, very from the beginning, he tells them that nobody helps him. He doesn't need a babysitter. It's his job to save the world and kill the monsters, which also plays into things, so... Well, he's basically Clint Eastwood, except yeah. in demon form. And like, you think about the Clint Eastwood tra- traits. You know, very quiet, sardonic, and you know, I'll do it myself. You know, put me in a room with him. Like that whole anti-hero thing. It's Clint Eastwood. Sure, to a I'll give you that one. So we get into our first fight scene. And it's set up, the fight is, like, what, what there, something was stolen. Uh, I don't really have it all written down, but something was stolen. A museum okay. artifact. So they go to um, investigate, and there is a, a what is this? A hell demon hound. Hellhound, yes. Hellhound. Hellhound. And yep. Hellboy goes to fight it. And he fights it, blah, 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 whatever. We'll go through it if you want. But then after everything's over, Abe shows the scientist what happened by touching him. And I just don't feel like we needed all of these scenes. We don't need them to go there for Hellboy to fight this hellhound. Because we can already figure out what happened from the dialogue and from the fighting. And then we have to wait another, like, 15 minutes while Abe shows the scientists what happens by touching him. So we have to relive the whole thing over again. And this is, like, fight one with the hellhounds out of, like, 89 fights. Like, there's just too many hellhound fights. And every time you kill a hellhound, it multiplies into two. And even when they blow up the hellhound nest, and that's somehow supposed to stop all hellhounds from multiplying, that doesn't even make sense. They're still going to be hellhounds. We're never going to rid the world of hellhounds. I can't take it. It's too many hellhounds. Too many. Yeah, that those are all very fair points. You know, we go to this whole, like, hellhound fight where we only see the hellhound we're supposed to be wild and shocked. And, like, yeah, it's cool. It looks neat. I mean, 2004, especially great effects. Yeah, when Abe Simmons like, let's just... We've already told you exactly what happened verbally. Let's give you a visual. I kept thinking, as I was watching the scene, I kept forgetting that we were doing a flashback. I thought, well, we don't need a flashback. We know what happened. So I kept thinking, oh, oh man, another hellhound? Oh, wait, no, this is a flashback. Five minutes have passed. Are yeah. we still in a flashback or are we having another hellhound fight? Like, it really is completely yeah. unnecessary. Uh, yeah. And that's really what starts my downward spiral with this movie. 
Because, you know, it had some really interesting things. I mean, I like visually the movie. I think every character was really well done. I think, you know, Hellboy was great. I even didn't mind Liz, although I think she's probably my least favorite character. That's Hellboy's love interest, and we get to meet her up next. Um, But I thought they were all really interesting. But man, oh man, if I had to watch one more fight scene, it was just too much. Yeah, and yeah, the thing about Firestar Liz is that she's really kind of there as just a plot device. She really, you could almost take her out completely, and it wouldn't make much of a difference. It would actually be more interesting I'm just going to skip to the end real quick. If instead of like Liz being kind of the trigger for HB and you know, unlocking the gate and online, like maybe Myers is the one on the table. That, uh, so he would be stuff. naked on the table it, it just, getting sick. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we don't yeah. really need Liz. I mean, like, if you cut her out, you cut out, what, 30 minutes of the movie? Let us develop a few other things? I mean, I, we The only need. thing, oh, go ahead. I, I will say there's one, there's one cool thing about Liz, though. The one thing I thought was cool about her is that, you know, she's. Suppose, she's like Jean Grey that she's super overpowered. Like, oh, you know, if she starts, she can't stop. She's broke the whole world. And there's one part towards the end where she starts to power up. Like, oh, man, this is the end of the movie. And then I thought it was a cool switch because, like, oh, no, it's not the end of the movie. They capture and she didn't do anything. Like, That's kind of cool because normally a movie like this, she powers up, movie's done. It's like, not nope, done not done at all. Uh, but I like that they made her. So she obviously sets herself on fire and burns everybody down. Hellboy is obviously impervious to fire. He never burns. So that was cute. You know, they complete each other on a on a love, love level. They are perfect for each other because he can never burn. So I thought that was cute. But other than that, um, we get our introduction to Liz because she is in a hospital, presumably a hospital that helps, uh, I don't know, people with special skills like hers. I don't know. Because she doesn't. I'd say it's like just a typical. Um, well, the reason I thought it was something special, it. despite the fact that she does not want people to know her powers, is that the nurse says that she had been doing so well with her episodes. So I assume that they knew she was able to start fires. I don't understand why she would have been there. Like, it seems really unsafe. I don't know. I'm trying to make logic out of this. It's probably not worth it. I can't help you with that one. <laughs> but, um,. Liz is has committed herself to a hospital because she wants to be free of this, you know, this superhero life. And she wants to figure out how to control her fire. Um, and so that's the intro we get to her. And, of course, that she loves Hellboy and Hellboy loves her. Unrequited love. Okay. So they decide they have to go um, searching for hellhound eggs. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I mean, like, the hellhound, you know, went through the city and... I don't know if it was Abe's. Somebody realizes, well, obviously it was here to plant eggs. Obviously they plant them in the subway. we yes. got to search for them. And Abe gets the honors of doing it because he's dropping into water underneath the subway. Is filled with water. I don't know. Um, okay. Yeah. Sub- subways must work different. Okay. In this uh, a lot of agents die. I know that. Um, Hellboy fights more hellhounds. Shocker. Get used to it. My favorite part of this scene, though, though, was when he is fighting and all the onlookers are kind of moving out of their way. And there is a wooden box of kittens stranded in the middle of the subway in the middle of the fight. And somebody yells, my kittens! And Hellhound, or not Hellhound, Hellboy, has to go save the kittens and finish the fight with the Hellhound holding a wooden box of kittens in his hand. I mean, that's pretty impressive. We've established he, he likes, likes cat. cats. He has to do it. Um... I wrote in my notes, Rasputin kills hair plug agent. 
But I, okay, I think there's many things wrong with that. First of all, I don't know who hair plug agent is. Second of all, I don't think Rasputin killed him. Yeah, yeah Conan definitely did. Well, I want to go back to the, like, the box of kittens. But yeah, if I was at the subway and I saw a giant hellhound and a big hell man crash through the ceiling, I don't think I'd stick around and see what happens. I think I'm out of here. You don't see think you, you would later. be a little curious and be like, let me hold on to my kittens for a second and just, just see who wins this fight? I mean, I might be curious, but I'll make sure there's at least, like, five deep people between <laughs> me and these hell, hell beings. Okay. Well, um, so Cronin, he kind of pretends to die, uh, which is clever of him, because now they've taken his body back to the lair, which is very nice. Well, I think, I don't know if, I don't know what point my notes relate to this movie, but, like, Cronin is just, the dude has, like, we see his crazy eyes, he has, like, these steampunk attachments yeah. to him, like, he ticks... And I think this is, yeah, we, we've we've seen this. Like he's got these holes in his chest, and he can he can line it up. Like if he's getting in a fight, he like lines himself up. Like all right, let's move fast. And so then when he kills the hair plug agent, he's like, oh, I need to play dead. Let me wind down to where I stop. So there's like a big. I mean, we eventually get the answer. But there's this big question of what is this dude? Because he hasn't aged, and uh, I believe it's Elsa. I don't know if that's her name. Rasputin's girlfriend. She hasn't aged. Oh, and I think we see her the part where. They go to like some, I don't know, ritualistic thing, murder a dude for his blood so that Rasputin appears in blood form. Oh, like, there's a whole thing going right. on. There. I don't even know what that is. Oh, yeah, we sort of that. I remember that. <laughs> and so I wasn't sure because Rasputin, like this portal thing in the very beginning, is weird because apparently things come out of it, but if you try to go into it, at least the humans that touch it disintegrate, and Rasputin disintegrated. So I don't know what this, you know, funeral pyre, what this, uh, you know, religious, or not even religious, like this thing, like they go this stone maze type thing, like a floor uh, yeah. maze. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, like they spill blood, and then you know, the blood fills up the little track in the maze, and then Rasputin like is hundred percent blood comes out of the floor. I don't know where he came from. I was like, is this Rasputin? Is this a clone? Like, what is this? Maybe the movie answered it. I don't recall. I, I don't know what it was. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. And like, yeah, man, let's do some chaos. I've been waiting 60 years. Where we'll are you take guys a shower first, because that's disgusting. That's a lot of blood. Yeah, I yeah, I completely yeah. forgot about that. You're right. That's how he came back. Good call. Good good attention. But to catch up where we are, like Cronin and him playing dead. Like, Cronin is just a scary, yeah. scary dude. And I really like him. And I read that... Uh, Del Toro, like, gave him this huge backstory. Like, apparently Cronin didn't have this much backstory in the comics. And Del Toro just, like, spent a lot of time really developing this backstory. So a lot of the backstory, I think pretty much all the backstory we see in this movie is stuff Del Toro oh, okay. crafted. About yeah, Cronin. I did like him quite a bit. I like when we see his body. Like, it was all very interesting, really. Like, you see his face, you see his and eye. And scary. Like, it's nightmare Yeah, that's coming stuff. up, though. Um, okay. Hellboy. Hellboy, Liz, and John... I don't really know what's going on. I don't know what the intention was with this. Was it meant to be a love triangle? Was John really having feelings for Liz? Or was he just trying to get Liz back to be part of the gang again? Or, like, specifically to make Hellboy jealous? I don't know what it was. Those are very good questions. The movie is very ambiguous on this. My take is that uh, Myers is just being nice to Liz, trying to... Because she doesn't want to be in the Paramount Defense Force. He wants her back, or Myers, his superiors want her back. So I think he's just trying to 
say, you know, hey, I'm the liaison. Yeah, I'm going to take care of you. I'm here for you. Hellboy takes this as some kind of threat. And I think this whole weird triangle is set up just so we get this kind of, I don't want to call it comical because that's what I was saying, this goofy scene of Hellboy watching Mars and Liz while chatting with like this random kid on a roof eating cookies. It's, it's I think the whole thing set up just for this joke. No, and it I didn't agree. Work. It was weird. I didn't understand it. But while he's doing that, that is when, um, what's that guy's name comes back to life? Not risk. Yeah. That's Pardon. when he comes back to life. And we see him, so he's on, I guess, like an autopsy um, table, uh, and he's been left in the room alone. I feel like you should never leave an evil entity alone in a room. Like, you know that thing's coming back to life. Um, But you see his body and, like, all the scars. And in this backstory, I think they said that, like, I I don't know if it was him. I think it was him that liked to do self-mutilation and, like, put himself back together or something like that. Well... Technically, they called it self surgeries. Okay, so he was like, yeah, yeah, like he's removed his Ugh. eyelids, like removed his fingers, like he's removed a lot. It's so, like his face just looks wild. I mean, for I think this is rated PG thirteen. Um, yeah, yeah, PG thirteen. Like this is some wild imagery that had to be yeah, coming for sure. But my other thing was, I thought I thought he was like made of sand because didn't they like turn a screw and yeah. No, actually, uh, um, the old scientist who mentioned this, I don't know how it works, like, on a physics level, but the blood in Cronin dried up to dust, or, they said, or something like to that effect. Like, they said something to that effect. So I don't really okay. get it, but um, that's why when the people shoot him, nothing happens, and the sand okay. pours out of him. I don't know how that works. I, I, so I when know. he, okay, so when, like, he puts himself back together, and he puts his outfit on, and he puts this like little machine things back in his body and twists them what is he like what is he like pumping himself up like what he doesn't have a heart he doesn't have a pulse he doesn't have blood like what does it actually control okay okay no idea no clue <laughs> it's cool aesthetically like it's really cool oh but, it's very okay, cool i just uh it like because it's so cool because like sometimes i don't think this is continuous but a couple times like Colonel will be doing his thing and we'll kind of hear like the gears winding and it's it's just really, like the whole concept is cool, but it's just too far the rule of cool to where it's we have no idea how this works. Like, there's no way for this to work because you know human beings have blood and brains, and that's how things work. And Cronin has none of that. He's a Sandman with <laughs> steampunk. Like he's a yeah, steampunk he man. I, I don't know. I don't know how it works, but it is very and, like he even has these gas masks. He has gas masks for all occasions. He has multiple gas masks. I don't know how he feels. Like it's. It's crazy. I love it. Like, it's such a cool... It's one of those things where... Now, frequently, for Halloween, I go over the top on costumes. And Cronin's like, oh, man, I love to make that costume. Just, it is very cool. cool. Um, and he approaches the scientist guy. And the, the scientist guy makes an interesting comment. He's like, I see the puppet. Now, where's the puppet master? So Rasputin kind of magically appears... Like, so, bro, right behind you. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, um, I don't remember, like, I don't know what they talk about. I, just, I kind of fast forward in my brain a little bit of what was going on during this. I'm sure it was something important. All I know is that um, Cronin kills the scientist. And that's... With his built-in... Yes. And he made it quick. That's, that's all I know about it. Um, yeah. 
And then, oh, what he was saying, what Spoon was saying is that Hellboy has a destiny. That that they have to tell him his real name or something like that. And that they know who he really is and what he's really meant for. And it's and I wonder at that point if if we as the audience, like surely we we all know what the destiny is. I mean, we all know that he is a demon. Like it's not a surprise. Surely he's gonna open the gates of hell. Wait, Hellboy's a demon? I had <laughs> no idea. But they're talking about it as if, like, we as the audience, it's going to be a surprise moment when it's revealed. Because when it is revealed and they're like, well, your big arm is a key to open the gate. What did you think your big arm was for? It's it's like, well, we kind of all know what his purpose is. This isn't surprising to anybody. I don't know. Well, I mean, if we can take this back to the very beginning when Hellboy escapes the space gate, the big monsters in the space gate are frozen. Where yeah. was Hellboy in space? Like, did he have a little, you know, dog crate? I, I don't know because these monsters are frozen. He's not. He's a baby, so that means something birthed him. Dots just don't connect with me. Like, and that's what this movie is. It's a cool movie, and that's all it is. They don't really care about the yeah. details. And they have to go all the way back to Moscow. I don't know why they have to go all the way back to Moscow. I just know that's where the climax of the movie happens. I guess that's... That's where the wait. gate is, right? Oh, the gate's okay. In Moscow. The gate's in Moscow. It's very heavy. It's hard to ship it. You know, like overseas shipping costs are just... Extreme. Well, the gate's in Moscow, but they set up... In 1944, they set up to open the portal in Scotland. So, I don't... Yeah, that's true. Under- okay, you know what? It's fine. Okay. <laughs> Well, that was a portal. This is a gate, right? Isn't that the difference? Portals I don't and gates know. are not okay. the same thing. <laughs> All right. I did. Okay. I know this is cheap comedy. I know I shouldn't have found this as amusing as I did. But when Hellboy goes to Moscow and he tries to find, like, where the gate is, and he opens up a casket of a dead dude and gets the, ca- the dead dude to, like, come back to life, and then he straps the corpse to his back and is walking through the snow with a corpse to his back, I I thought that was really funny. <laughs> it was, was a lot, lot of fun. fun. And the corpse is like getting sassy with him in Russian. I appreciated that. I was like, thank you very much for this little bit of comedy in this redundant, terrible movie. Thank you. <laughs> I'll agree with the corpse is fun. I don't know about terrible movie. That's, that's At this point, thing. I think I'm I was on Amazon shopping for a new backpack. So... I don't know. I might have skipped. Oh, yeah. This is literally the parts where I started shopping because I know at this point walls go up and that's seriously like I have pretty much nothing until Liz is naked, which I have thoughts on when she's naked on that slab. I imagine. Oh, here. Here's what I guess happened. I'm going to guess there were hellhounds. Am I right? Were there hellhounds? (laughs) Okay. Probably. (laughs) I mean, there's definitely a giant, one of the giant space monsters. No, I was there for that. I can't remember if it shows up or it came out of Rasputin's belly. Oh, right. That's right. Okay, okay. Wait a minute. I think I got this. So I know they kill not Rasputin right now. They kill the Sandman. Okay. They kill him by throwing him down on spikes, but that can't possibly kill him, right? I mean. Yeah. I mean, it's like this dude's been shot and had a lot of things done to him. Don't hurt him. Spikes get him. I don't know. Maybe. Well, this is based on a comic book series, so maybe that just would slow him down and he'd come back. And the guy's got new organs or hearts, so I don't really know what the effect would be. Yeah, I thought that was kind of silly. I don't think that would have actually hurt him at all. I think he would have found a way to get up. But we're to believe that he's dead. Or actually, I don't know. I saw the second one. I don't know if he makes a comeback or not. 
Anyways, Liz and John are with Hellboy during all of this, and they enter the nest of the hellhounds. Liz needs to be hit in order to ignite her flame. That's what I wrote. And she says, you should be running. And then she kills all the hellhounds with her fire. Apparently, let's see, again, apparently they kill all the hellhounds, but if you kill one, it makes, you know, two appear. Kill one, two appear. Yeah, the rules seem pretty clear, so I don't know what this movie is like. Okay, and then I have many comments on what happens next. But I just, I just want to stop. Like, I love this um, this mechanism of evil that, oh yeah, simple rule, you kill one, two appear. It's, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. I wish the movie had taken like, better advantage of that because there's, I mean, there's there's no rule they invoke that says, oh, well, if we complete these tasks, it stops this cycle. We know of nothing like that, so I don't know I don't know why we don't have more Hellhounds, but I thought that was a very... Like, Rasputin should have stopped right there. Like, that's enough, man. You, you've done it. That is ingenious. Just yeah, leave it there. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so... John wakes up. He's been knocked unconscious from the fire. And he has been... Because that's what happens. When you get caught on fire, you become unconscious. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, these burn victims, yeah, they're, they're fine. <laughs> they just, just got knocked out. They wake up, all is fine. <laughs> um, and they're at the altar now. Okay, so let me set this scene for you. John has his hands tied behind his back, okay? You have an altar... And Liz is completely naked underneath some sort of cloth. So someone has removed all of her clothes, put her on a metal slab. Maybe they just got burned off. Over top. Okay. Hellboy is chained up in a custom-made chain. What, what is it called when you have your hands like a guillotine away? Stock. Stock. Okay. So he's a in stock. a custom-made stock with his ginormous hand and his little baby hand in his head. Okay. Well, technically, it's a normal <laughs> hand. Another hand just you don't know that. Maybe he's supposed yeah, to. Yeah, it's because it's in proportion to the rest of his body. <laughs> it looks like a little baby hand. <laughs> and it's a giant hand. And you have Rasputin and Rasputin's psycho girlfriend talking about opening up the gates. Why didn't she well, age? Like, Cronin and the girlfriend don't age. Like, I get Rasputin. He's like a blood demon. thing. I don't know, but. Is, is yeah, there something special he about the said girlfriend at the beginning and like when they're doing the 1944 stuff that he rewarded her with the gift of immortality and youth and beauty. So that's, yeah. Well, like, Rasputin's yeah. just like, yo, I'm going to start yep. with that's going to happen. Yep. Why does he care? Like, why did Rasputin just like chill on a beach somewhere? Why does he want to end I the world? I don't know. <laughs> you're, you're asking questions as if I know the answers to them. <laughs> I mean, is it Rasputin's like, he's like, man, I'm just so powerful. The coolest thing would be just to cause chaos in the world. Like, I, that's the ultimate high here's I'm a, chasing. Apparently that's what's question. going on. Well, Hellboy is unconscious. How about instead of spending all of that time locking him in that custom stock, why don't they drag him over to the door and stick that arm in and just open it up themselves? <laughs> well, you see, the door only opens if you choose to do it. You can't. Force, is that something consent. that's part of the movie or are you just making that up <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm making that up i don't know <laughs> because seriously i was like they spent so much time somebody had to make that stock and like do all of that work and find a chain that could hold hellboy why not just drag him six feet more and put his arm in there anyways you know with all the one-liners <laughs> hellboy has it'd been great if he kind of like the start like hey, this is pretty good quality where'd you make it where'd you get this, <laughs> this thing is nice wood <laughs> very nice 
Is this custom made or do you order this on Amazon? That's a mystery. That is. That's all I could think about when I saw that was, man, someone made that. Did they have to measure his hand somehow? Like, how do they even know it's custom fit? It was very good. I mean, you're right. When you're calling it a baby hand, which is decidedly <laughs> not the case, but it does, like, seeing his hands right next to his head like that, it makes him look very it does. <laughs> Um Okay. So Rasputin has given him a choice and he's like, look, you either have to open up this door and let hell rain through and you become the demon we all know you're going to become or I'm going to kill your girlfriend. And he's like, no, I can't do it. And so Rasputin sucks the soul out of Liz through her mouth and that's it. She's dead. Sure. It happens. It's Rasputin. What do you expect? Okay, there's this whole thing about saying his name, about Hellboy saying his name. I don't know if they actually literally said his name at any point. Albert. Albert Hellboy. (laughs) Okay. It's very, very scary. Oh, no. (laughs) But I don't know. I guess they say his name or something, and then his horns grow. I, I don't know. The chains fall down. He, what, like, opens the door. I don't know. I believe that's called puberty. He hits puberty, horns grow, you know. Like he blows up the moon, I think, at some point. Like a giant space squid dethaws and like starts coming toward Earth. I don't know what's happening. What I did stop and laugh about is that there's two locks. That he has to open not one lock, but two. So it's so anticlimactic because he opens the one and you see all this stuff happening. He's like, now for the second lock. I was like, geez, how many locks are there? Look, mate, you gotta be safe. You know, you need the normal lock, you need the dead bull. Uh, you know, crime, crime <laughs> is running rampant over there. They're just being proactive. There's well, luckily, John gets free, throws the rosary that used to be his father to Hellboy. Hellboy rips off his horns with his hands. And the gate closes, and the space squid dies, and the moon returns to normal. <laughs> oh, gosh. And then he kills the bad guy. He kills Rasputin with his horn. He shoves his horn in his stomach. Now, this is when, like, a squid comes out of his stomach? Is that? Okay. Perfect. Yep. Big old Perfect. Just want to make sure I got that right. Okay. So, Hellboy and John are leaving, and they take Liz with them, and... I think, okay, so they kind of put Liz down, and then Hellboy gets sucked back in. The squid comes and grabs him and pulls him back in for their final showdown. Well, Hellboy decides, he, not like the squid got him. He's like, all right, I got this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's like, how big can it really be? And then the, like, takes like a tentacle and grabs him and pulls him back. Okay. Whatever. He fights him. Oh, yeah. He, so the squid eats Hellboy while Hellboy is holding like a belt of explosives and then he blows them up from the inside out. That was pretty cool. Yeah, and it's not like it eats him. That was intentional yes. on Hellboy. Yes, because he's so smart. But the, the problem with that seems like, oh, that's that's funny, that's cool, whatever. And I don't know how many times that sequence yeah. has been done in a movie prior to Hellboy, but I know at least a couple. So it just, you can't do that. It's well, you can done. do it. I mean... Well, yeah, but it's nobody's gonna care or clap or do. Yeah, I mean it has been done, but oh well. Okay, coming up is my favorite part in the movie because it's so ridiculous. So much happens in this little bit. Hellboy is now back in the hallway with Liz and John, and Liz is dead. So so dead, and Hellboy whispers in her ear, 
and she wakes up. She wakes up from death because he has whispered in her ear. And she says, what did you whisper? And he says something stupid like, I said, hey, you on the other side, give her back or I'm coming in there. Yep, okay. that's and then this is it. This is the best. They kiss. She gets on fire. He's fireproof or whatever. And then they just pan to John, who looks like the saddest third wheel you will ever see. He's just standing there with these puppy eyes and this such a sad smile, like watching these two make out in front of him, which makes me think that he really had feelings for her and that he was really sad because now he knows that she's never going to be with him. He shouldn't have. Oh, yeah, probably. And that's basically the movie. All right. A detail I forgot to point out. This is a very weird design decision. Hellboy is bald, but he's got like this weird ponytail that's tied. I don't. I don't know what was going on with his hair, and it just really, whenever we we kind of pan to the side slash back of his head, I could just never figure out why it was like that. Who said, yeah, this this is a good idea. We should, it just, it is weird. weird. I agree. And he's only supposed to be like 20. Like, again, somebody like supposed to be young who looks very, very old. 20 yeah, pretty much, age. pretty much. Yeah. All right. That's that movie. Another bad movie. Well, you know, he did smoke a lot of cigars. Maybe that accelerated the way he looked. You know, maybe if he hadn't smoked the cigars, he would look funny. But, hey, kids, if you smoke cigars, you're going to look like Hellboy. Maybe this was like a covert anti-smoking. Maybe movie. so. Who knows? I'm pretty sure that's it. Okay. Seems about right. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode. Ward, if people want to find you, where can they find you? I don't Perfect. If they want to find us, where can they find us? boxofficerefund.com. Perfect. We'll leave it at that. All right, guys. Have a good night. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Box. Office. Refund. Box Office Refund Podcast.